wanted to uh, let everybody know that we have this new site, and we're really proud of it. King Chung has done a great job on designing it, and uh, we're looking to uh, refresh that every month. We can go to the next slide now. Okay. Uh, the redesign will be ongoing all through the summer, uh, and we're expecting that every month we'll be changing the design to reflect the theme of the month so that everybody can get an idea of uh, what we're focusing on that month for Mac learning. Um, and uh, uh, joining uh, MacL will provide a subscription to the email list, so stay tuned. There will be more information to follow. Uh, about uh, Mac learning environments and the website and everything else. Move to the next slide, please. Go ahead. I'm not seeing the next slide. We're in the studio. Uh, we're already there, so you can just go ahead and talk as soon as you tell me next slide. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I, I want to. Uh, point out that the next uh, monthly webcast will be on July 25th. We're going to focus on the Apple Learning Interchange and the Mac Learning Environments community. Uh, we think it's going to be of interest to everyone. Uh, just for everybody's uh, information, the webcasts are always the fourth Wednesday of the month at 10 a.m. Pacific time, so you can mark that as a steady point on your calendar from here on out. And we uh, will have the official launch then of the new Mac Learning site. Uh, with uh, October being focused on uh, the big product uh, release of Leopard, the launch of that, and it'll be uh, also coinciding with uh, the Educause annual conference, so there should be lots of good information coming to that point with even more resources to follow in subsequent months. So thank you, and I'll turn it back over to you, Scott. All right, thank you, Willie. So today we have uh, two segments uh, focused on community tools for iTunes U, uh, Willamaloo and Blackboard Building Block, uh, an open source uh, building block that will be made available. Uh, and joining us to talk about Willamaloo is Richard Wolf, research programmer at University of Chicago, Illinois, or University of Illinois at Chicago, I should say. Uh, he'll be talking about Willamaloo for iTunes U administrators. And then for the Blackboard Building Block, uh, we will welcome Jeff Kahn from Verbena Consulting and Jan Poston Day, Senior Director, Client Engagement at Blackboard. Uh, and just to let you know that uh, the, the Blackboard Building Block was part uh, of initiative with uh, some work we've done with the Open Knowledge Initiative. So with that as an introduction, I'd like to go ahead and hand it off to uh, Rich Wolf, who can talk about Woolamaloo. Rich? Okay, um, just a little bit about me. I, like Scott said, I work um, for the University of Illinois at Chicago, which is part of the University of Illinois system. Um, we're the uh, sister campuses with uh, Champaign-Urbana. A lot of people confuse us with the University of Chicago. We're different schools, actually. The University of Chicago has all the Nobel Prize winners, but we have the biggest student body in the city. So there's that. Um, okay, next slide. Okay. Um, just a little bit of history. I'm, um, it's basically for us. It's a tale of deferred gratification, probably like a lot of other sites. Um, I, I can still see in my head the day that we uh, we got our email about iTunes U, and we were in my boss's office, and it was great. We were real excited to be a part of it. And uh, the thing is that we got our email, and then you, there's a site activation which we did. And then my boss asked me and my colleague, "Well, you know, now what do we do? How do we get to the site?" And then we realized that well. It's a little trickier than we thought. It's actually a little more work that you have to do. It's just activating the site is enough. 
So my, my buddy, Matt Willis, sat down for about an hour, and he uh, he basically worked through the, the Perl scripts and the downloaded the stuff that you need to download from CPAN to get that to work. And then we were able to get to the site, and then I did the same thing in Python, and you know we, we were able to get in pretty quick. But when we were doing that, I, I kept on thinking to myself, boy, this, this, this is just really, really hard, and um, there's got to be a better way to, to just you know get in you know and do your stuff. Next slide, please. So... Basically, you have this problem. You get these strings from, from Apple, and what you need to do is um, you get these colored strings, and they have your base URL and your shared secret and your default administrator credential and your debugging string. And what you want to do is you want to, uh, you, know, um, you need to compose a URL that's like the one that's shown in white. And uh, that's a little tricky to do because you have to do that through a transfer CGI, which means you, know, you have to get involved in some scripting and do some Perl or Python or C or whatever. And uh, to add to the complexity, you, while you're doing this, you have to try and figure out how you're going to do iTunes do site credentialing. So it's it's a pretty complicated and daunting task for a lot of people. And uh, I, when we were doing this, I immediately saw the need for some kind of tool that would let you do two things. It would let you immediately get into your iTunes U site so that if you wanted to do some design work, you could and that there needed to be a way for you to test whether your credentialing system was working while you were also working on your transfer CGI. Next slide. So I created a tool called iTunes U Access. Um, it's basically a Cocoa Core data app, and it's something that I hacked out at the end of November in just a couple of nights. Um, it's just a tool that, you know, after we had our iTunes U site going, I thought, well, you know, I should just sit down and, and just do this tool. It's based off the Apple C um, code to do the URL encoding and the SHA-2256 encryptions. So basically the URL that you see is the one that Apple um, wants you to send. Next slide. Um, I've put this um, tool on our own iTunes U website. There's a link at the top of the page. It's itunes.uic.edu slash itunesuaccess.html. Um, if you hang out in the iTunes U web forums, I've seen that I posted this link a bunch of times. Um, I truly believe that this should be probably primarily hosted on Mac Learning website. It's not right now, but I don't see why it shouldn't be, so I suppose that that's something that we'll probably look to doing. But for now, you can uh, head off to this website and uh, download the tool and, and all the news and info about it. Next slide. Okay, so just a uh, quick little run-through of how the app, the old, the traditional app works. You double-click on it, and uh, it brings up a window, and what you can do is you can go in and uh, create a new uh, identity. Um, you can change the identity name in the list. I'll change it to administrator. Uh, then what you do is you click over on the other half of the page and use the template and change myuniversity.edu to uic.edu or the name of your, your insert your university here. Um, the site credential is a template as well, so you can change my university to your own university, whatever it is, your domain. I'll change it to UIC. And there's a shared secret that you need to type in as well. Um, I'll type in a fake one. I obviously don't want to type in our true shared secret and have it up on the podcast. So I'll just type in a goofy one. Um, and then there's a series of fields that are are optional when you're sending a, 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 a URL to Apple. So if you click in the little checkboxes, you can enable which ones are actually sent. So I'll enable just a few, your name and your email address and so on. These are just purely optional. If you uncheck the checkboxes, then they don't get sent. And there it goes. Just check in username and user identity, which is usually a number. And uh, you can actually add your debugging string. Now, since I'm uh, typing these guys, 
in, and if I click on this uh, display URL, it does. But um, since I haven't actually typed in a true um, shared secret, if I click on up, uh, open URL, it won't because uh, that's not a good valid shared secret. I'll come up with us. But if you type in your real shared secret, if you click on open URL, it does. So uh, next slide. Okay. Um, just so that you can get an idea of how the um, roles work, I've created a sample file that has different roles that you can open and modify to your heart's content. And basically, you can see when you click on each one, different things are enabled and different credentials are used to send um, data. So what you can do is you can test whether, um, even without a transfer CGI, you can test whether your credentialing is actually going to work on your iTunes website. Or you can see whether or not your, um, your uh, transfer CGI is actually generating the correct URL to um, open the credentials given your credentialing scheme. Next slide. Okay, so I worked on that tool around Thanksgiving of uh, last year, and when it went up on the website, I was real surprised to see that a lot of people actually found the tool pretty useful. So I thought, well, maybe I could do a little bit more. Once I uh, I, I figured out how to actually use the uh, the the API to upload files, I thought, well. Maybe there's some other cool things that you can actually do with this. And I sent a, a post to the iTunes U forums, and it turns out that there's actually a whole web services API that Apple is working on. And I thought, wow, this is really awesome. And I got an advanced copy of what they were, and I thought, you know, I could take this tool and I could make it be a, actually a lot more. It could be a generalized um, site admin tool, you know, something more than just your site credentialing. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I should do that. And I, if I do this tool, I should make it as you know easy as possible for the new admin, so that it basically be, you know, brain dead to set up the site. That you should be able to bookmark things that you visit in iTunes a lot, so that you can click on them and go to them right away, and you can see if your credential is going to work. Um, I wanted to give a little bit of better debugging tools because a lot, a lot of times when you're doing the transfer CGI, it's a, there's a timing involved. You need to send a. Um, a credential within a certain amount of time. You want to see if the signature is going to look right. So I thought, well, you know, maybe there should be a way for you to set a specific time so you can compare your results with your transfer CGI. There should be a way for you to upload files and delete files and modify um, your course uh, descriptions in iTunes, and the list goes on and on. So I thought, well, if I'm going to really do this, if I'm going to be serious about this, maybe I should change the name of the application from iTunes U X to something else because not only does it contain the string iTunes U in it, which might make Apple unhappy, but I wanted to also avoid the situation where someone would go on the iTunes U forums and say, I can't access iTunes U using iTunes Access. Maybe it's me and I'm having problems accessing iTunes U, or maybe it's the iTunes U Access application. I thought that sounded confusing, so I thought, well, let me rename this application something better. So that's how Willamoo was born. Um, if you're curious, um, the name comes from a Monty Python sketch. Um, it's in Wikipedia. You could look it up. I stuck with the official spelling of the, the, the Python spelling, but the wiki has the, the spelling wrong, but you can look that up. Um, I, and I also thought that the name had a kind of a cool ring. Willamoo for ICNG just sounded fun, so I thought I'd stick with that. Next slide. I think we're caught up on slides. Um, um, so anyways, when you double-click on the application, uh, it brings up a, uh, uh, um, a screen in which you can just basically paste your um, credentials. You can see that I'm typing in the, uh, the base URL, and then I'm typing in a shared secret again. And this application is it's smart. It knows exactly what you need, and it basically says, Apple's giving you these strings, and just type them in here. Um, then you can type in your debug suffix. It's optional. You don't have to. Um, when you click on OK, what this does is it goes off, and it already creates a bookmark for your um, site. It knows that you probably want to go to your site's top-level domain. So 
There's that. And, it, and you can also see that it creates a default credential for you. So it knows that you want to basically probably be a site administrator, and then you can edit that role if you need to. So um, some of the things that it, it doesn't show is that um, it knows the minimum that you need to connect to ITINDU as a site administrator if you're using it for the first time, which is really, really useful. It's not shown in this example, but um, the, uh, um, the actual text data fields that you enter are um, they use regular expression uh, uh, formatting strings to figure out whether or not you're typing in the correct stuff. So they do warn you if you're doing something wrong. Um, if you do make a mistake somehow, you type in the wrong 32-character shared secret, for example, you can always go back and re-edit the settings. If you delete um, your site administrator credential and you want to get in as an administrator, the, I, the Access application knows that you need to have at least one credential to get in, so it'll always create it by default. And um, you can uh, uh, you can. Uh, do a bunch of other stuff too. Next slide. Um, okay, so once you have that set up, then getting to your site is really, really easy. There's just a little uh, button at the, the top left that you click uh, that says uh, Reveal. And when you do, it sends the admin credential along with uh, what you need to do to get an iTunes unit. It will bring up your site. So it basically couldn't be any simpler than that. Um, if you need to, the application can also bring up your debugging web page by, if you click on the debug button, it sends the same credential except the Apple's uh, debugging website so you can verify that your credentials are actually being sent correctly. And you can see that Apple sees exactly what you see. Next slide. Oops, I need to do that too. Okay, um, I wanted to uh, demonstrate here that um, you can actually bookmark things. So here you can see that I have my iTunes website open. And I'll click on a course tab and actually add it to the list of bookmarks that I have. So I, you can name the, the bookmark anything you want. I'll just duplicate the name on stuff. And then I'll paste the URL that came from iTunes. You click OK. And now I have that bookmarked in the application. Um, you can pretty much bookmark anything in iTunes. So I'll copy a track as well and copy that into the, uh, the application. Click on Add. Or you can actually, there's a contextual menu that you can pop up to, and you can uh, click on that, and then you can uh, type in a name for it. I'll just type in the same name, press uh, uh, paste, and go. Now, if you click on any of these things, if you open them up, they will actually open up with an ITDU. So you can see that I clicked on fun stuff, and or the, uh, my site uh, root, and that came right up. If I click on fun stuff, it'll actually go in and select the tab that is fun stuff. So you can see the tab is now selected. And uh, even if you select, if you have a track bookmark, if you click on uh, that and open up the bookmark, it will actually select the track. So you can see that it pretty much knows exactly where everything is in iTunes view. Uh, next slide. Okay. Um, in addition to um, uh, the bookmarking feature, there's also a way for you to enter new roles, just like in the other application. So you can see right here we have the default site administrator credential, which is created for you by default. But I, what I'll do is I'll add in an instructor credential. Um, if you've worked with iTunes at all, you know you can add just about any credentialing you want. But uh, Apple recommends that you have a basic set, instructor, student, guest. So I'll just add an instructor credential. I'll make that credential belong to me and my email address. Um, this, If you notice, this application doesn't use checkboxes. If you just leave a field blank, it will treat that field as something that you don't want to send. So um, right now I'll type in everything, so you can see I have uh, my own credential. I'll add another credential. This one will be a student. And just for laughs, what I'll do is I'll make it be uh, Apple Duncan, even though um, I don't really know a lot of stuff about Apple Duncan. I'll call it student. And uh, so you can see that the, that the credential is mirrored there. 
I'll uh, type in a phony fake email address for Duncan. I have no idea what his true email address is, so I wouldn't try to use this, actually. I'm just making it up. Um, I'll give him a name, Duncan Bernhardt. And um, I'll leave the other fields blank. I think that's how I have it. So if you click on Edit Roles again, then you can see that you can adopt any role you want to within this application. So if you want to, you can be a student, and I'll be Duncan. And then I'll click on my site root again, Reveal on iTunes, and it should come up. And there you go. And you can see in this version of iTunes that all the editing tools that I had as a site administrator are now gone. The only thing I can do here is log out. I am accessing the site as just a student. Okay, next slide, please. Okay, I didn't want to forget about the debugging tool, so if you click on any one of these things, you can actually use the debugging tool to do different things. You can set a specific time that you want uh, for a signature. You can choose the type of command that you want to see, and um, this the displays within the box. You can cut and copy this text and paste it into a web browser. You also have the ability to send files to iTunes U. For example, if I click on a course tab, what I can do is I can select um, a specific place that I want to grab files from, say my desktop, and I'll grab some movies and I'll grab multiple movies, and I'll click on OK. And then basically what it does is it sends the files. There's not enough time to do this, so I kind of pre-baked the example, but it would actually send all those files. Um, next slide. OK, one of the last features I want to demonstrate is the ability to actually do um, browse your site XML. If you click on, say, the site route, what you can do is click on the refresh button, and what that does is it goes off to iTunes View and grabs your site XML and displays it in the right hand of the window. Um, you can see that you can browse up and down through the site XML. Basically, what this application does is a show, if you've ever you worked with Showtree and iTunes View, it does a Showtree maximal, which means it shows you the maximum amount of XML that the site generates. So you can see that I can basically browse three, go up, go down, and whatever. And also, if you'll notice, just underneath the toolbar, there's a little thing that shows the current XPath location that I'm at. So you can see as I drill down into the site, it actually displays the current XPath location that I'm at in the site XML. Okay, next slide. Okay, um, just a brief note that I'm still working on some of this stuff. I try to do this nights and weekends, so whatever I could squeeze the, the time in. Um, there are some things that I would like to add and that I think can be done in the next week or so. For example, I would like it so that the bottom half of the the XML browser actually shows you what some of these things are. So, for example, if you click on a track, it should show the track name and track artist and everything that the uh, the, the, the XML actually knows. Um, I'd like to change that XPath underneath the toolbar so it's actually human readable, so that it says things like the name of the course as opposed to course you know zero. Um, I think that selecting a bookmark on the left side of the window should actually select that same resource on the right side. So that's something that I think should be easily done. And uh, it should be possible to bookmark a spot in the XML when you're browsing through it. So if, even if you're not in iTunes U and you want to cut and copy and paste a specific bookmark, you can. And uh, while I was at WWDC, I actually took this application to Apple's UI user interface gurus and asked them to do a user interface design review on it and to actually give me specific advice on how the user interface could be improved or made simpler. or um, And all I can say is if you've ever worked on, a, on an application for Mac OS X and you've, ever had a, you've never had the DUI design review, it's actually a really, really cool experience. I actually learned a lot about you know, how some of this stuff should be done. So I might take 
advantage of some of the advice that I got from Apple is really cool. You, you know, UI design people and, and make some changes to the application. So, next slide. There are some odds and ends that I didn't show, but are actually working in the application. For example, everything has a tooltip, so if you're not sure what something does, you can actually move your mouse over it and it'll say, I do this. Um, there are preferences. Um, so, for example, if you're using the application all the time, by default, when you click on it, it opens, it thinks that you're a new user and that you want to set up a site for the first time, but after you've used the application a couple times, you don't want it to do that, so you can actually disable some of the things that it does by default, which is useful if you go in and out, so there are preferences. Um, there's actually an online help, and uh, even though this doesn't show, I actually have a manual that I pulled from all the help files, so there'll actually be a description of how you can use this tool to do some things like debug your transfer CTI. Next slide, please. Okay. There are some things in the future that I'd like to do. First, um, I'd like to find a graphic artist that will work for Keep. I've actually bought the toolbar icons from Icon Foundry. Their icons are not cheap. <laughs> They're actually kind of expensive. I've been really trying to find someone who will work for Peanuts and is willing to do it for fame and glory, but it's pretty tough. So the icons that you have are either Creative Commons licensed or they're, they're, I've licensed them out of my own pocket, so I'm trying to take care of that. I'd like to take full advantage of the Web Service API because it does a lot more than just upload files. You can actually do a lot of cool things with it, like modify your um, site's attributes and add courses and tabs and delete things and so on. So I'm, I'm going to really work hard on bringing that support to it. Um, when I originally thought about this tool, one of my end results was to try to add Automator and AppleScript support to it because I think that you should be able to do certain things with the app application. And we'll see that in the next slide, but for now, um, I'd also like to do another thing, which is to encrypt the site credentials. If you remember when we were looking at the, um, at when you were entering in uh, the default strings for the site, there was a little a disabled window that said um, in, encrypt site credentials and the type of passphrase and the retype of passphrase. And what I'd like to do there is to give you a way to distribute these files to faculty and staff and students, but to hide your credentialing from them so that what they can do is if they want to upload files or modify some of the aspects of the, the site that you give them rights to do, that they'll be able to do that. So that's what I hope to be able to do with that. Next slide, please. But this little bit of pseudo Apple script that you may be seeing right now is the ultimate aim. What I'm ultimately aiming for is that you should have the ability to do something like this to actually tell the application that you want to pull data from a file, say, from an Excel spreadsheet or some other application that's Apple scriptable, and to actually do things like create 20 courses or upload 15 files with specific file names or to uh, change course attributes, and you know, then maybe send emails to course instructors to tell them that you've created their new courses. I think that this is the ability that you should be able to have, and it was always my original intention, as, even as early as last December, to be able to give you this ability to do this, and I don't see any reason why that can't be a feature in uh, upcoming release. Um, next slide, please. Um, this is probably the request that I get the most frequently is I must get an email about every three days from someone who says, I would like to have a Windows version. Please, can we have a Windows version? And uh, next slide. Um, basically, I've heard you guys. Um, uh, I don't see any reason why you can't have a Windows version. Um, the thing to know here is that Xcode is free. It comes with Mac OS X. MSDN is really expensive. It's taken me a while to find a legal licensed copy that I can actually use to do this work. Um, the Windows version might not be as cool as the Mac version. Core Data is actually an amazing thing. It lets you really do applications really, really quickly and add features and think about stuff. And um, Windows is a little not known, digging at Windows here, but it's, Core Data is just way ahead of anything. Um, uh, so 
the Windows version, when it comes out, it should still have the basic functionality of the original application. It should display the, your site credentials. It should allow you to open the URL, and it should let you assume different roles so you can test out your um, uh, transfer CGI. And um, I, I pretty much have a good idea of how this is working out, so I should have something for you guys if, you know, given my time schedule of nights and weekends by some, sometime in early August, I'm hoping for. Next slide. And long story short is that I, what I really wanted to do from the start was I saw the need for this kind of a tool. And, I, I, and as I learn more about the web services API, what I want to do is I want to hand you guys off um, best, pretty much the best admin tool that, that doesn't yet exist that I can. So um, that's basically what that's all about. And I think the next slide is my last. That's the Q&A slide. So I think I'm done. Great. Thanks, Rich. Um, I think we're going to uh, jump over the Q&A here uh, because of time constraints. So we're going to move forward uh, to our second segment. But again, thanks, Rich. I think it was a very, very insightful. And uh, uh, viewers can come back to maclearning.org. In the next couple of days, we may have some more resources uh, about Willamaloo. So look for that. Uh, so let's move forward uh, with Blackboard Building Block for resource links to iTunes U content. Uh, Jeff Kahn from Verbena Consulting. Jeff, are you still with us? I am here. Great. So we're on your uh, title slide, LMS integration, and I'll let you drive. Just let me know uh, when to move the slides forward. Okay. This slide uh, talks about some work that actually is the output of a number of different people and organizations. But the thrust was to show a learning management system integration with iTunes U, and we chose as the learning management system to start with Blackboard and to use the Blackboard building block mechanism to extend Blackboard and interact with iTunes U content. The project was managed and coordinated under the uh, support of the Open Knowledge Initiative, uh, which I know has come up in other webcasts, and the Open Knowledge Initiative focuses on interoperability and educational applications and so on, and is a uh, reasonable party to put together the various resources that were needed to pull this off. I specialize in helping people understand how you might put together these kinds of solutions, and at the end, I think you'll see that this was a, a good combination of people coming together to offer something to the iTunes U community. Uh, next slide, please. So first, a little bit about the problem. As was discussed even in the earlier part of this webcast, when you want to get to iTunes U content, you have to go through a, a process of authentication and and authorization to get to the right content. And if you are in a learning management system such as Blackboard, well, you've already logged in and provided your username and password and your um, role has been assigned, whether you're administrator, instructor, student, and so on. So the, the main effort was to avoid having to both identify yourself to Blackboard and then again identify yourself to iTunes U. And the people who would need this solution are organizations that have both iTunes U and Blackboard involved. And what the solution was 
um, took a building block, added some of the basic features that you saw earlier in this webcast of entering your secret key and your base URL and credential information, and using that configured building block to assist you in uh, creating links to iTunes U content from within uh, your building block course documents. Uh, who was needed to make it happen? I'll talk a little bit about the parties that came together and their contributions, and then uh, show you some shots of, of the solution in action. Uh, next slide, please. So as I mentioned, iTunes U and Blackboard have some things in common. One is that you can organize courses and their resources in a hierarchy, and it is um, convenient if the information in iTunes U as far as course pages and content within that uses the same structure that you have in your Blackboard environment. You don't have to do that, but it's a, a common pattern of associating iTunes U content with uh, Blackboard course content. Both of these products are administered centrally. You have an instance of Blackboard, you have an instance of iTunes U, and these are administered at your organization, and so you need to worry about things like um, user accounts and access control and, and so on. Uh, this is not an individual uh, person's product. And as I said, the authentication authorization are essentially administered. The inconvenience, as I alluded to, is really around the, the logging in twice. You uh, would ideally like to uh, prove yourself to Blackboard and thereby prove yourself to iTunes U. Uh, the audience, here's a graphical example. Uh, the, the group that's most interested in this, I believe, will be people who have iTunes U and Blackboard on their campus. Now, there are some things that are interesting for people who have iTunes U and there are things interesting with Blackboard, but if you don't have iTunes U and Blackboard, there really isn't much value to the Blackboard billing block for iTunes U. And this intersection of the market is likely to, uh, to grow as iTunes U becomes more uh, widely used. Next slide, please. So going through the solution in a little bit more detail, the first thing was to create a Blackboard extension called a building block, and uh, Jan Post and Day later will talk a little bit about what that is and how one does that. Uh, but this is a developer activity, and you use a development kit, and you can create a building block, and then uh, go into Blackboard and add your extension and make that available to, to users. The building block is configured with the information needed so that iTunes U will trust it. It has the secret key, it has information about um, credentials and so on. So from iTunes U perspective, when requests come from Blackboard, uh, you are uh, properly identified. And one area that um, was useful was to have your Blackboard identity, the fact that you're a, a role of instructor or student or administrator, map to the kinds of things you can do in 
uh, your iTunes U site. So people who can administer Blackboard could administer the site. People who are instructors in Blackboard are instructors in the iTunes U site and so on. And then the principal demonstration of this integration was that you can go into Blackboard course pages, you can create links to iTunes U content as an instructor, you can then come back as a student and find those resources listed, click on them, and launch the appropriate page in iTunes U. Next slide, please. Putting this together required a variety of uh, people and talents and so on. iTunes U uh, provided uh, some technical assistance. Uh, I'm, I'm a member of the uh, ADC Select and needed some uh, help early on. Uh, MLE is providing this webcast, which is a good way to get information out about what's going on. Uh, the Open Knowledge Initiative has project funding and management for these kinds of interoperability efforts, and there's some work coming down the road related to um, OSID support, for those of you who knows, knows what that is, uh, and iTunes U. So you'll be hearing about that on um, future webcast. Uh, Verbena Consulting, that's me. I uh, have some experience in each one of these elements and could uh, to bring some of that together. A Blackboard has provided a way to distribute the building block through their catalog, and uh, Dan will be discussing that in a little bit. And then LearningMate is uh, a firm primarily based in India uh, who has a lot of experience in building building blocks, and uh, I've worked with them, and they did uh, the primary building block development work. Next slide, please. Uh, just a little bit about me. I am on the uh, Mac Learning Environment Steering Committee, and I have been involved in a variety of open source projects and uh, list on the slide. Both VIEW and Pachyderm, which I've been involved with, in, have already been uh, covered in webcasts in this series, and uh, some other projects uh, here, uh, Sakai being an example of a, uh, another learning management system. A line share is a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, sharing uh, system, and Sophie is a multimedia authoring environment. Currently, I'm focused on a project called the Digital Marketplace, which is at the California State University, an interesting uh, project in higher ed, and also focusing on interoperability uh, with various repositories. Uh, at this juncture, I wanted to uh, introduce uh, Jan Poston Day and have her talk a little bit about Blackboard, and then I'll come back and uh, go into the solution in more detail. So over to Jan. Great. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, so my name is Jan Poston-Day, and I'm the Senior Director of Client Engagement here at Blackboard. And among my many responsibilities, I am responsible for the Blackboard Building Blocks Program and now the Blackboard PowerLinks Program. And over the past six years uh, of our program's um, history, the, uh, the interest in the program has grown significantly. Um, if you go to the next slide, you can see our online shot of our online catalog where folks, both commercial vendors and many, many of our clients uh, have developed building blocks or power links and made them available to the community. Uh, if you click on the, website, on, the, on the slide, you should bring up the URL to the website. Here you'll find over 300 extensions to all of the Blackboard platforms, and over 125 of them are free or available as open source. 
And soon after this webcast, we will be making the uh, iTunes U building block available for folks to download. It's beta, so if you have feedback for it, please uh, drop us a line, and the email will be available on the download site. If you go to the next slide, you'll, you can see information about joining the Blackboard Developer Network. Uh, we have an open software development kit for our clients. It is free to join. More than 1,000 institutions and over 1,900 developers are actively involved using this technology. Uh, for building blocks, it's Java-based APIs. For power links, it's web services. And uh, if you click again on the slide, the URL for the Developer Network website uh, should come up. So if you have any questions about uh, building blocks or power links, um, how to join the program, where to get more information, please don't hesitate to contact me. And if you're interested in getting involved and learning how to do this kind of development, we're having our fifth annual Blackboard Developers Conference in Boston. Uh, July 12th and 13th. So for more information, please visit the Blackboard website. Uh, and with that, I will turn it back to Jeff. Okay. Uh, thank you, Jan. I wanted to just describe a little bit about LearningMate. Uh, they are an example of an organization that uses the building block SDK to build building blocks. They, are, uh, they have locations around the world, as I said, based uh, primarily in India, and they do lots of uh, provide lots of services for uh, primarily uh, higher education publishers, uh, but they have uh, programming support and so on. They also are uh, experts in learning management system extensions, uh, power links and building blocks and products that uh, work with other learning management systems. So they are a good um, developer for uh, looking at these types of solutions. They're also involved with standards bodies such as the IMS Global Learning Consortium and uh, the Open Knowledge Initiative. So they were uh, logical uh, candidates to help out with some of the programming work. Next slide, please. Um, there are a couple of special cases that, uh, time permitting, I want to uh, mention. Uh, but one of them is uh, the notion of linking to other iTunes U sites, uh, either with public content or not, and um, discuss how you can not only uh, link to the iTunes U site that's uh, directly configured with the building block, but also what the scenario is for getting to other sites. There's also the question of what happens when your uh, session times out and you need to um, Reauthenticate. Again, the short answer is that you get um, sent back to your Blackboard login page. And uh, then how to get the content, uh, how to use these kind of links uh, when you're not in uh, Blackboard at all. Uh, next slide, please. So if you want to give this a try, uh, you're going to be able to download the building block from Blackboard. And as Jan mentioned, she's going to be posting that um, beta release to the catalog. Uh, we're also setting up a project on SourceForge where you can download the sources for the building block and um, build the WAR file that you need to. Uh, the developers who are familiar with building blocks will be able to uh, recognize the various uh, 
source files and uh, compiling conventions and so on that are that are used there. But there's also documentation from Blackboard on how to make building blocks that you'd need to refer to if you actually wanted to build this yourself. Uh, next slide, please. So if you want to uh, learn more, you can, of course, uh, learn more about iTunes U from the iTunes U site. You can go to Blackboard for the Blackboard site. OKI, www.okiproject.org is the location for all sorts of information about the Open Knowledge Initiative and the various projects that it has. Uh, I'm Verbena Consulting, and I'm available at verbenaconsulting.com, and LearningMate is available at learningmate.com. I wanted to close with a couple of screenshots of the application to make things more concrete. This is, uh, next slide please, sorry. Uh, this is the shot of the Blackboard uh, login page. This is uh, straight uh, Blackboard. There's nothing added that you see for um, iTunes U at this point. But uh, you log in and you provide your username and password, and that grants you uh, access to your Blackboard site. At this point, uh, Blackboard knows who you are and your role. Uh, next slide, please. In the uh, building block world, you have to go as an administrator and add the building block. That's an installation step, and you uh, find it on the file system and load it and so on. But once it's loaded, you're presented with this screen, and this is where the tie to iTunes U happens. You've installed, you now need to provide the base URL, which we heard about uh, earlier in the webcast. Uh, you also need to provide this uh, secret key so that uh, iTunes U will recognize that Blackboard is legitimate uh, for links. And then there are the credentials. And in this building block, you provide credentials for the administrator, uh, instructor, and student, which again, uh, instructor and student are are optional designations that we felt mapped well to uh, the kinds of operations you'd want to perform as a building block, uh, sorry, as a Blackboard instructor or student and the ones that made sense in iTunes U. So this is work that the administrator does in configuring the building block. And this information is not visible to people who are not uh, administrators of Blackboard. Next slide, please. Uh, at the course level, there is a mechanism when you're working with course documents in Blackboard to access the various building blocks. And users familiar with building blocks would navigate among the list of them to find the iTunes U building block. And after selecting it, would be presented with this screen. And this screen asks you for the name for this resource link and then the URL to the content in iTunes U. Now, this is a little bit um, awkward to type in the uh, URLs directly. So if we advance to the next slide, please. Uh, we did a simple uh, model of allowing you to drag the breadcrumb, or I believe you can drag the track also, from iTunes U into this edit control, and it will paste the appropriate uh, URL associated with this link. 
after you've saved this as an instructor or administrator, the link is listed among other resource links on your course page. Now, when you log in as a student, you're presented only with the list of links. You're not uh, at that point in an editing mode. You're just seeing the, the read-only list. If you click on one of those links, what happens is at that moment in time, your credentials and a timestamp are added to the URL for the appropriate destination in iTunes U. Again, we saw some of the mechanics for this in the earlier part of the webcast, but that information is aggregated and passed on to iTunes U, which allows you to launch iTunes U and view the appropriate content. That brings me to the end of the formal part of the presentation, and we can advance to the Q&A slide. Scott, back to you. Great. Thank you, Jeff. Um, so what we're going to do now, uh, due to some time constraints and uh, the late start that we got, is we're going to do a combined Q&A. Um, we have maybe uh, five or eight minutes somewhere in that ballpark left. Um, Rich, are you still with us? A number yeah, of questions for you. Here. Great. Uh, so a question for your application is, to what extent do you support roles? An example of that is, can you automatically feed roles from an LDAP server? It's, there's not any support for it now, but that certainly could be added if you have an LDAP server. That if people wanted to, say, have that ability, I I can imagine ways that that might actually be doable. I haven't really put a lot of thought into it, but I don't see any reason why that couldn't be done. I just, it, it, a lot of this is driven, I just should say, by um, the features and things, by stuff that I see on the, the, the iTunes U forums and email that I get from people who send me email. So this hasn't really come up, and I haven't really thought of it yet, but I don't see any reason why that couldn't be done. But if people want to make that suggestion, and if there's a desire to have it, certainly, I mean, I don't see that that couldn't be added. Okay, great. Uh, that sort of raises the general question. Any thought uh, in terms of, uh, you sort of mentioned where you're getting information for uh, requests for your application. Any thoughts to how others might be able to actually develop or contribute to its development? What, what's sort of the long-range long plans for the application? Is it always going to be uh, you as an individual developing it, or what, what's sort of your big picture thoughts along those lines? That's another thing that I haven't really put a lot of thought into, but I don't see any reason why that the application couldn't be open sourced. It's basically using the, like I said earlier in the, the podcast or the webcast, it's, it's using a, um, it's already using some of Apple C code, which I help contribute some Intel fixes to, and I don't see any reason why, since Apple's code is opened up to us, I don't see any reason why this can't be opened up to us either. So I, I just haven't done it yet, but if there was were a SourceForge or uh, Subversion or CVS repository or something like that set up, I don't see any reason why we couldn't put that out for people to mess with. Okay, great. Um, <clears throat> a suggestion for your application uh, in watching the demos uh, when you typed in the shared secret uh, string, um, the suggestion here is that you would make the default to obscure that, you know, just have bullets show up, uh, but that you could checkbox something like you do uh, with keychain access if you wanted to actually see the shared secret. That's a very good idea, and I don't see why that can't happen. Um, uh, I will uh, make a note of it, and that shouldn't be too hard to make happen. Great. 
And uh, on the building block uh, webcast, a number of uh, viewers are asking which building block we're referring to because there are a number uh, that have been talked about on the iTunes U uh, discussion boards. I know uh, Baker College has one, uh, Vanderbilt has one. It seems like there's a lot of community support for sharing what others have done. Um, and that can, you know, that can be communicated uh, as it has been in the past on, on the iTunes U support boards. Uh, but this particular building block was, was again, um, funded and managed by the Open Knowledge Initiative as sort of a first step to um, creating some interoperability uh, OSIDs on top of that. But we wanted to go ahead and make this building block available to the general community uh, as an open source project, but also in compiled code uh, available on Blackboard site in the compiled form or the binary form and then the open source will be up on SourceForge. And the best thing to do is just stay tuned on Mac Learning. All of that will sort of uh, shake itself out in the next week or two, and you'll be able to uh, grab what you need. Uh, Jeff Kahn, anything you want to add to what I just said about the availability of the building block and sort of you know, why, why this is being done, even though there's some in existence already in the community? Um, well, yes, I guess I, I would echo your comments about uh, this is part of a uh, series of activities that the Open Knowledge Initiative is engaged in to foster greater interoperability among key educational applications, whether they are sources of content, um, museums, libraries, uh, commercial publisher content, uh, individual collections, uh, whether they are um, learning management systems such as Blackboard or Sky or Moodle or um, uh, others, whether they are delivery mechanisms uh, such as uh, iTunes U and, uh, and other uh, offerings. And the Open Knowledge Initiative has been at the center of a lot of the interoperability issues and wanted to begin uh, some uh, deeper work with iTunes U um, and bring uh, Blackboard into the uh, into the mix with, with a building block. So this building block is a, um, a way to offer this particular capability and get uh, Blackboard to uh, make that available to people. Uh, we'd like to know where we should go beyond this um, and whether it is um, of interest to go more deeply in this building block or whether it's of interest to go into other learning management systems, uh, whether they be Sky, Moodle, um, harm the others, um, and, and understand more fully the uh, total set of um, life cycle activity related to these various uh, distribution channels and content management systems. Uh, ideally, we would like to have uh, faculty and students upload content uh, where it makes sense, uh, let's say in a learning management system, uh, then have content available to uh, different distribution mechanisms, iTunes U being one, uh, also potentially send it to uh, archival uh, content management system and, and facilitate all of that, that work. So this is actually not, although it appears to be a point solution, is actually part of a, a much broader set of activities to tie together various systems and uh, offer more comprehensive solutions so this is one of the elements that we wanted to put together, but certainly not the only one. 
Great, thanks. I think I think added uh, uh, some necessary detail to uh, what this represents. Uh, we only have time for one more question, and uh, Rich, this is for you. Where where can other iTunes U administrators find information about the Web Services API available for iTunes U today? Um, actually, that's um, the Web Services API is published by Apple in Chapter 6 of the iTunes U Admin Guide. It's described in there. The only thing I would say about it is um, that I, while I know that the iTunes U team, as I've met most everyone on that team, are the hardest working team in Apple showbiz, um, there's a lot in that guide that isn't really explained in detail. And so one of the things that I thought could happen, and I, I kind of see a need for it a little bit, and also from answering a couple questions in the, the iTunes U admin forums, is I think it's unclear to people exactly how the Web Services API works. And it is a little, there is this pretty, um, if you follow Apple's Chapter 6 guide and you do it exactly the way that Apple says it, it does work, but it, the second that you want to veer off and try to do something a little different or use another technology to get into it, there's a huge, huge buy-in um, to doing it, and I think that there's room for um, someone like me or someone else to, to do a little write-up on it and say this is how it how you actually get to it. It, it. it is the web service API is described though in chapter six of the iTunes U admin guide, and it's described fully. But Apple sort of assumes that you understand how to do an HTTP post in um, the scripting language that you're using, and they sort of assume that you understand how an HTTP post works, and um, if you're really not sure how to compose a multi-form or multi-part form um, as an HTTP post, then you're kind of left in the dark. So there's, uh, I think there's a little room to explain that, but it is described in the guide. So. Fair enough. Thank you. Well, that's it for our webcast today. I'd like to thank our presenters, uh, Rich Wolf from University of Illinois at Chicago, and also Jeff Kahn from Verbena Consulting, and Jan Day from Blackboard. Please join us again next month. Remember, it's every fourth Wednesday of the month, starting at 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Thanks, and see you next month.